Welcome to the Finding Refuge podcast. My name is Michelle Cassandra Johnson, and I am glad you're here. The Finding Refuge podcast emerged from a desire to have conversations about the intersection of grief and liberation. This podcast explores how we can find refuge during unsettling and uncertain times. It features guests from various backgrounds, lineages, and lived experiences. I hope you enjoy listening. All right, friends, it's time for me to bring you the closing episode of season three of this podcast. It seems like there's a pattern. When it comes time to decide what content I want to offer for the closing episode of this season, there's some block or barrier. At the end of season one, I recorded content about COVID-19 and what was unfolding. I did not like what I recorded. I was talking about this with my friend Tristan Katz, and Tristan, who is a friend, comrade, and colleague, offered to interview me. So we recorded the episode and released it. The end of season two, I did record myself talking about what was unfolding at that time in May of 2022 and launched that episode. And this year, I had the same or similar block and was unsure of what to offer. Well, My grandmother helped me out with this episode. One night, it was a Saturday night, I was sitting on the couch, probably drinking wine, and it's likely I was watching an episode of Grey's Anatomy, or a few, and something inside me reminded me that I had interviewed my grandmother for the National Day of Listening in 2008. It was actually at the time my then-husband Jeff's idea to interview my grandmother for the National Day of Listening, and so the day after Thanksgiving, Harvest Day, we interviewed her. And as I was sitting on the couch watching this episode of Grey's Anatomy and overtaken by this urge to find the interview, it became clear to me. The final episode of this season of the Finding Refuge podcast needed to be my grandmother's interview from 2008. Many of you have heard about my grandmother, Dorothy. You've heard me call her into space as I've led ritual and ceremony. You've heard me call her into space for support. You've heard me offer gratitude to her for her very being and the way she supports us from the above, from the heavens. The way she offers guidance, the way she offers love, and the way she offers deep and profound compassion. So, Dorothy wanted me to release this episode. Some of you have begun reading We Heal Together, Rituals and Practices for Building Community and Connection. In We Heal Together, Chapter 7, which is titled Dream Work, is about my grandmother Dorothy. It is about how she came to me in a dream, much like she came to me as I was sitting on the couch watching Grey's Anatomy. And in this dream, she urged me to make an offering to an oak tree in my backyard, which I associate with Dorothy, my grandmother. This oak tree has crystals around it. It shades the 
um, chicken coop and run, and it shades the beehives. And in fact, it has had at least two beehives swarm to it in the past. And in this dream, she said, without using words, make an offering to this tree on the north side of the tree. And so we did. My friend Katie came over and we engaged in a ritual, which you can read all about in We Heal Together. As part of our ritual, I wrote a letter to Dorothy. I'm going to read an excerpt from this letter, and then I'm going to share a little bit more about um, her interview, and then you'll get right into it. You'll hear Dorothy and her voice and some of her stories. The letter is actually quite long, but this is a short section from it. And this letter was really a, it came to me that I needed to write it and read it to this oak tree. And it um, was a call and a request to ask Dorothy and the ancestors what we need to know at this time. Grandma, I'm curious to know why we suffer so much and what we can learn from you and the others about suffering. The systems of oppression you faced in your lifetime are in their death throes. And sometimes people fight death. You fought death, too. As I held your hand and told you it was okay to transition, your body would rise up in resistance. And then you settled and took rest. Systems of oppression resist rest because they want to continue to replicate themselves. The fear that we might imagine and create something so vastly different from what they breed is terrifying to them. When I remember, we are imagining and creating something so vastly different from what systems of oppression breed, it brings me hope. My question for you is, what do we need to know right now? What do we need to remember? I know you went through your own process of remembering because you would have been lost without the capacity to remember where you came from or how you came to be. You weren't lost. You were grounded and solid. You knew who you were, and you weren't going to change yourself for others. You would change yourself for God. How can we change ourselves for God now? When I say God, I mean the divine, that which is bigger than us. My grandmother was deeply devotional, went to church every Sunday and Bible study every Wednesday. And this question is really about how we can change ourselves for that which is bigger than us. How we can change ourselves because we recognize the inherent divinity within us and all beings. Back to the letter. How will remembering the divine essence of God within us and others help us change? I have hundreds of other questions to ask you, and I will in time. Today, I mostly wanted to tell you some about what has been going on and ask for your guidance, not just for me, but for us all. I'm going to make that offering to the oak tree today on the north side of the tree where the amethyst lay. I have flowers, the box you gave to me in my dream, tobacco, honey calcite, and pictures of you and other benevolent beings and ancestors. Your reminder in the dream was about giving back and about reciprocity. It was about remembering where we come from. It was about lineage and legacy. It was about our relationship with the land. It was about opening a box and finding hidden treasures. Thank you for coming to me and guiding me. Thank you for loving me and being inside me, flowing through my veins and beating in my heart. Thank you for being you and being with us. 
All the love and so many blessings, Dorothy Ashe. So as I said, that is an excerpt from a much longer letter to Dorothy. And I am so thrilled she came to me as I was sitting on the couch drinking wine, watching Grey's Anatomy, and um, told me in her way that this final episode of season three needed to be her, her voice, her stories. I'll say that the interview quality is not that wonderful. We had a little, um, I believe, tape recorder to record her. The phone rings at some point in the interview, but we talk about her life and her childhood. It was 2008. We also talk about the election of Obama and how that affected her. We talk about God and devotion and spirit. You'll hear her laugh. You'll hear her pause. You'll hear her think. You'll hear her very essence. And I'm thrilled to bring you this episode. Before we get to it, one more thing. I will invite you to, if you have not already, order We Heal Together and to not only learn about Dorothy, but the rituals and practices that will bring us back to ourselves, will bring us back to one another, will remind us of our um, deep connection to the planet and that we are the planet and nature and will call us into disrupting all that is in the way of us being free and healed. Take care, friends. I'll be back for season four at some point, I think, in September. Until then, happy listening. I hope you find lots of ease and enjoy this interview with Dorothy. Okay, I'm Michelle Johnson. I'm interviewing my grandmother on, what day is it? November 28th, 2008. Okay. And you can say your name. You can say. My name is Dorothy Lilith May. Melton, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're 87? 87. Okay. So I wanted to start by hearing a little bit about what it was like growing up. And did you grow up here and where your family was from? Because I don't know any of the history of where we're from. So can you tell me a little bit about how your family got here? <clears throat> All my family is from Glen Allen. Virginia, which is in Henrica County. Uh, my mother sort of like one end, daddy from the other, but all of us going out like different districts and you know neighborhoods. What else you want to? Well, um, where did they live in Glen Allen before you? Because I've only known this house. Okay. So. My mother, I guess you call it here, Yellow Town. You know, and my daddy lived up across the railroad track, which was still in Glen Allen, where the old railroad track went through our, which still do, it was our F and P, mm-hmm. and S, what is C, X, what is C? I don't know. Whatever, whatever the railroad's called now, it's C, X something, but anyway, what else? So your dad grew up. Where the across from the railroad, mm-hmm. where the railroad went through, and your mom grew up in Yellow Tavern. Is that what you said? Yeah, we used to call that area. That area still down there, but mama, my mother, you call all that area down. You know, right 
Well, I d- live now, not far from where I was born. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and w- Mom told me that you're not sure about your birth date because of your birth no, certificate. Because they always told me my family was born April the 28th, 1921. My sister, because she was 11 years, 13 years older than I. So she said definitely I was born that day, but when I got my birth certificate, it's May the 4th, 1921. But a lot of people my age that I've talked to since then, that has happened to them. Because them, them days we had midwives, and I think they just didn't send them in on time. I don't know. Yeah, I think they waited to send them all in at one time. That's what I think happened. And put a date on mm-hmm. them. I think that's what happened. What did your parents do for work? My mother, I know she did domestic work, and my father worked on the railroad, the same railroad mm-hmm. where they lived. Mm-hmm. And they did that. How long did your parents live? My mother died early. My mother was 52. I think she would have been, she died in March. I think she would have been 53 that same year in May. She said, I didn't, we never knew her date of her birth, but she always told me she was born in May, but I never knew the date. And how old was your dad when he died? My dad was about 82, I think. I have his, his the date of his birth. He was born, I think, September the 19th. I the paper in that drawer somewhere, but I know I, it was 18 something, but I can't tell you exactly on top of my head. Um, what was it like growing up? How, well, how many siblings did you have? How many brothers and sisters? I had a sister and a brother, and my mother said one bit, the child, your brother was born younger than I was, still born. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you grew up with two, a brother and a well, sister? Well, I really didn't. They were so much older than I. See, my sister was 13 years old, and my brother was 11 years old. So I really didn't grow up with them because I, you know, they were so much older than I was. Mm-hmm. And my brother lived with my. Uh, grandfather, because they we weren't the same fathers. Okay. okay. My sister lived with us, but when she left home, I was real young, mm-hmm. so can't say we, you know, wasn't playmates together. What was it like growing up in your family? Well, it wasn't bad because I was the only child at home, and you know, I I don't think I felt the pinch as bad as people that had a whole lot of children. Mm-hmm. So. Do you have a um, a favorite or memory from childhood, or good memory that from childhood? Well, I know I used to play a whole lot. <laughs> I didn't do anything but play. <laughs> I loved school. My mother started me school at five years old, and it wasn't kindergarten. Then you know that I was five years old when I started school. But how long did you did you go in school? I went through the 10th grade. What I would, happened? I would have graduated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. To the day, I don't know why I wouldn't go. You just decided. I just had in my head that they couldn't afford to send me to college, and I thought it was a waste of time. So that's why you didn't finish? Mm-hmm. I just thought it was. Did I couldn't see no way that they could, could afford to send me to college. And maybe would have worked out some kind of way, but, you know, at that time, you didn't know where to get in the help like you do today. Mm-hmm. So I just felt like I had 
you know, other some classmates. Well, it was at, it really at that time it wasn't anything to do for a black woman, but teach school or nurse. But, I mean, that was only a professional job. wasn't no business jobs anyway. Right. So then what did you end up doing in the 10th grade after you finished? I used to work. I worked. I did domestic work. And you did that for how long? Oh, for years, until I went to the city. And what did, you worked for the paper? Was it No, the I worked for print? Uh, the city, the print shop in the city. Because I remember going to the print mm -hmm, shop with mm -hmm. you one day. They changed the name to Duplicate and Series, but when I went there it was called Print Shop. And, then and they used to print all the... Material for the city and the school board. Mm -hmm. How long did you work there? Fifteen years. And then did you, I remember you worked for Miss Solomon, so did you go back to? Well, when I came back, after I retired, my husband was retired, so I got bored sitting here. So I just got a couple of days of work just to get away, out, and I worked for her. So I got tired of that, and I stopped. How did you meet Fred? Papa, how'd you meet him? <laughs> I think we went with a party with my brother. <laughs> and the, the girl he was going, we grew up together. We was, you know, they didn't live far from me. You know how you then they had them house parties. Mm -hmm. And that's how we met. So you met and that was it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> how long did you, um, how long before you got married after you met him? I guess it was about a couple of years. And then how, how old were you when you got married? I was 16. And was he 16? I don't no, know. No, he, was, he old. was older than I was. But Reverend, but nine and a half years older than Oh, I was. so he was a whole lot older. Mm -hmm. What did you notice about him at first? You said, I don't know. <laughs> you said your brother introduced you. <laughs> See, my brother, he used to, my dad would let me go with my brother, you know. So, Joe had to play piano, so played the music, you know, he used to play piano. And so that's how I, I who I always go with, go with my brother. Did he know Papa, though? Hmm? Did, he, did he know I, him? I guess he did. I don't know. I really don't. Because Fred worked at a dairy farm down there on, where, you know, Mammy worked in, down on Wilson Road. Mm hmm so, so you don't know if your brother knew him really, I really before don't you met? Know. He probably did, but I don't really know. And you don't remember why you, why did you like him? I don't know either. <laughs> Do you know why you like him? Yes, I know why I like Jeff. <laughs> oh, no. I guess like some people you're meeting. That's the way it is. Well, what, um, what was something that you liked about him after y'all were married? Well, he was a nice person. He... He was, well, for years he was a nice person. He was nice. He liked to drink, but that got later. And then he would get with his friends and get nasty. But if he wasn't like that, he was no nicer person. And he would do anything for you. I told a lot of people if he could skin his skin off his body, I think he'd give it to you because he'd give, it, give you anything you had. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, I looked at this time. Yeah, my but he had a hard life, I think. He did? I think growing up. Mm -hmm. Where was he from? He was from Halifax County, Virginia. And, and there was a poor, you know, just a back of town. 
farm in America. Mm-hmm. Wasn't much there. So you think that's why he drank later? Yeah, then his father deserted him. They said when it was, I mean, my grandma know he always told he told me, but when they were young, so he had to look take look out for had to go to work when he was real young, look out for his sister and his mama, because he was here here down here before they were, and then mm-hmm. he got them down here, got the job, but because he was working at the same place at that time, family rather. That's how he got his mama down, and then she was a cook there. Well, yeah, Mom said growing up that, because I, I don't remember him drinking at all, because when we were kids, you, I don't really remember You were so that. small when he passed. Well, that, but Mom you, said when she was growing up, he would drink, and sometimes y'all would have to leave the house. He did. Because he, he would get mean. He, when, see, he went, he worked at Dairy Farm, then he worked at Windsor Farm. He wasn't that bad then. But when he worked at High Grade, they was a different just like a, a factory, different type of people, you know. They were party people, and just everybody go with this one, the, the other one, you know, just they were worldly people. But he worked at high grade at that time, was paid good money for what, you know, jobs were paying. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes the crowds, you know, you associate with, and you act like them. So, why did he stop? Well, did he stop drinking? Because I just don't Not remember. really. But he wasn't acting that way when no. I was a kid. No. He didn't act that way all the time. Most of the time when he got with his friend. That's when he And then come in. Mm-hmm. We were talking yesterday about me interviewing you, and um, Jimmy said that you, because your age would have been bo- grown up in the part of the Depression, mm-hmm. and I wondered what it was like growing up that way because you said you I I was real young but I grew up that's what he said Mm -hmm. but how was that well it wasn't as bad for me my father he didn't lose his job because he's working on the railroad and the railroad didn't close down but they cut that uh, job they worked three days a week every other day so he did have a job we we didn't have a no fine home. That was still house up there, but it wasn't. Well, when you come down, the house was a little better than what whole lot better than because we had added on and fixed up. But uh, my dad had just finished paying for the home for the plate home. So, you know, at that time he didn't have to pay that. But we didn't have nothing fine, but we had food and you know survival. But you know, a lot of people didn't have it because they didn't have welfare. wasn't no People didn't have nowhere to get in the help. Mm-hmm. And a lot of families had to go in, like my uncle. You remember your cousin Leah? Mm-hmm. Her father was. He had a whole lot of children. He had a couple of sons lived in Richmond. They had big families, and all they lost that job. So he had to take, take all them out there. He had Leah and her family lived there. And he had several uh, unmarried children that hadn't gotten married. So all of them lived in the same house, but they survived because Uncle Alfred always raised hogs and he always had chickens and he always had a cow and always had a garden and he worked at uh, Lakeside Country Club so he bought stuff from there to feed the hogs. So they all survived, you know, they didn't have fine clothes, might have had some shoes with a hole in them, but they still survived. But a lot of people, Richmond had soup lines during the uh, Depression 
and a lot of uh, business people because the business closed down mm-hmm. and the banks closed, lost their jobs, and a lot of people just just lost their homes. You know, they didn't they didn't have they didn't have the money to pay the notes, so they lost. And then when uh, President Roosevelt was elected president, he started what the WPA, I think it was called, and that was uh, had them uh, cleaning, uh, fixing the roads and the cleaning mm-hmm. the ditches and the stuff like that. And it was business people that had fine jobs. I mean, white and black. There wasn't no difference between them. And uh, they were in the ditches, and they were glad to get those jobs because they didn't have anything else to do. Mm-hmm. So it was tight times. I'm going to fast forward to what was it like growing up during in the South during the Jim Crow well, see, I, era? Virginia, as far as I live, but we had uh, we had separate bathrooms. Oh, r- some restaurants you couldn't go in. If you went in, you went in the back. Though. Right down uh, Brook Road was number one there. It was uh, a barbecue place in which they sold the best barbecue. But the blacks was good, but they had to go to the back door and buy. And, you know, they couldn't go in the front. You couldn't go in the restaurants to eat. You couldn't tell on Miller Road. You couldn't try on any cl- any garments. So, and they had, Miller Road had the uh, restaurant. You couldn't go in there. You could use that. So it was a lot. Of, but we, the buses, public transportation, you had to go to the back. You couldn't sit up the front. And I mean, people didn't, wasn't violent like there is now. And we know where our rights were, what we're supposed to do, and we did it. You know, you didn't hear talk of all this killing and like, yeah, because you knew you were right, so you stayed in your, your place. How did that make you feel to... Well, I don't know whether... I guess if you're in the environment, that's what you're used to and you're raised, you, you just, that's it. So you just stayed in your place. You stayed in your place. You knew your place. You stayed in your place. How old were you when that was happening? I'm, I'm, but I might not have been quite in my no, I was in my teens. I don't think I couldn't have been. I can't exactly say. I can remember way back when I came there. Mm But I knew what I can remember all this happened. Did your parents teach you? I mean, how did you know those were the rights that you had? Did your parents talk to you about them? Did you talk to Well, other we people? didn't really talk because where we raised, where my father lived, it was whites and blacks lived there. You know, so, so he was raised up. Integrated? Well, it wasn't, it, it wasn't integration, but the neighborhood, mm-hmm. you know, Black people live in white people. Now where my mother lived was more, more all black neighborhood. So I don't think it made my daddy, you know, that much different. It didn't make my my granddad. He said he was a shoemaker. He used to fix shoes. On my father's side, mm-hmm. my grandfather on my mother's side was a well digger. Mm-hmm. Dug well. A lot of wells ran in Henry County. He dug, but he wow. never dug a well for himself. Raised a family and never dug a well. <laughs> you said when you grew up in the environment, you didn't really notice that it was And then different. where we lived, where I was raised, uh, we were the only blacks that was on the road, up on Woodman Road. So, you know, 
that part has never bothered me. Because I always just the people with people, you know. I never had no problem with it. So there was never anything that, well, you stayed in your place. So yeah. You, but if you hadn't. I played with the white kids. Oh, you did? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we played together. We had tea parties. We had a family lived <coughs> house back of us. There was a house, big two-story house set. I don't know what you remember, but it didn't set right on the road as close as that. Because uh, they had people they Germans, and they had two girls. The brothers, they were older than but I used to play with the two girls. Mm-hmm. And we was always over there, and Mama would give us some cookers. We had tea party. And But the girls crossed the street. They would play with me, but they wouldn't let nobody see them play with me. But I didn't realize what was going on until Mama told me. But they would play with me, I think, once in a while. Well, then, what was it like, I'll go more forward, growing up during the Civil Rights Movement? The Civil Rights? Mm-hmm. When you said you sort of knew your rights before doing Jim Crow, you stayed in your place, but Civil Rights well, was well, to get us the right to you just moved vote. On. You just moved on, you know. You, you use your rights when you got them, so you just moved on. Do you have have any memories from the Civil Rights Movement that you, that stand out to you? Well, used to, you know, we saw a lot on TV at that time, but that was going on not here, but in deeper south. Because I wasn't in any in, of in the protests or stuff here. They right. did have protests downtown. When did you first vote then? Because the civil rights movement was to get us the right it was in the 60s. to vote. Mm. So is that when you first voted? Oh, to vote. I was voting before I went to the city. Well, see, we could vote. I noticed that way back you had to pay. I, when I was a child, I noticed you had to pay a poll tax mm-hmm. to vote. I don't remember what year that they cut that out. But it was after that that I registered to vote because I was was voting before I went to the city a good while. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. who was running when you first voted? Do you remember? When I'm first running? When you first voted, who was... No, I don't remember. I don't remember either. I don't remember that. I can't really remember. I don't know when it would have been. Well... I don't... Th- I know I was voting for Johnson. I know that. Well, what did it feel like to vote this year for Barack Obama? Well, I just think it was history. It's history. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's just, and I just thank God that, you know, I lived to see something that I thought I never would see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, and I pray for his protection. Mm-hmm. Every day. And give him wisdom and knowledge, you know, to do the job. Because I just feel he's a godsend. I mean, that's that's my feeling. What do you hope that he does to change the world or our country? Well, he say he's for all the people. And I, so, I just feel like if he, for all the people, it'd be a help to, to everybody. Because, I mean, God made all of us, so 
you're just supposed to love each other, so and get along. Not one country against the other. Rising, of course, that's all that's in the Bible, and it's the Bible fulfilling. I guess in light of us having our first black president, what do you think has changed in your lifetime regarding race relations or racism? What do you think has changed the most in your lifetime? Well, we have better opportunities, jobs. We can go places that we couldn't go before. I mean, we can travel more. We can see more. Way back my time, you stayed in your one little area. Some people didn't know what was on out of that area. Mm-hmm. But uh, you got more opportunity, more freedom, more opportunity. You can shop where you want, and you can go where you want. So you got more freedom. Do you have a um, first memory of of racism in your life, or because you said you played with the white kids who lived in your neighborhood, and but you knew the girls across the street just played with you. You found out that they just played with you, but they didn't want anybody to see them playing with you. Do you have a mem- a first memory of where you knew that you were different and you were being treated differently based on who well, you were? With the little girls, I didn't know until my mother told me because I thought it was a game we were playing because their house had a wrap, you know, wrap around porch. Porch mm-hmm. comes out and then goes around like side. Oh, some trees was in the yard. We would play hide, like playing hide and see. Well, if they was out in the yard and cars go, they would run and hide. Wherever they could hide, they would hide a tree or get behind, up, run up on that porch and get behind the uh, Bounce or railing. Well, I learned that I'd run and hide too with them because I thought we was playing a game. So one day I told my mama, she said, Well, that's when a car would go by. I said, I told my mama, she said, Well, they hiding because they don't want the cars go by to see them playing with you. So then after that, I didn't say anything to them, but I, when they would play that game, I would go home. So you wouldn't play with them anymore? I played with them after that, but, but when they, but when they played that game, I would go home. I wouldn't play anymore. Not that day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, how did you feel when your mom told you that, that we're, they didn't want people to see you playing with them? I guess I I don't know how I felt. I may, may have felt like I felt like I was different, but it didn't dawn on me at that time. But you knew not to play that game anymore. But so I didn't play that something. game. I didn't play that game anymore. Yeah. But I didn't say anything to them. I just didn't play that game. So is that one of your early? I mean, that's racism from yeah, them. Know, is that one of your yeah, earliest? But I didn't realize that it you was. You didn't know it. No. But is that one of your Because we didn't talk memory? that at home, so I wasn't taught racism. See, so you know, so my parents never mentioned it because you know, people I wasn't taught that. So was that your earliest memory then? With those, because those other little girls, it didn't make them no difference. We just played together. We got up in the bed and jumped in the bed. One time, I remember one time, uh, they were out of school, and I didn't know why they were out of school. It was two sisters. So my mama told that school had sent them, but them, them days, they used to, the children had lice, they sent them home. So mama told me, don't get in the bed with them, you know, play with them. We used lice. to jump in the, you know, children jump in the bed, because uh, 
they was at home because they had lice. Oh. Mm -hmm. I didn't mention to them, but my mama told me. But after that, then I played with them again. Um, two nice little girls. That you were playing with. So you lived through, or you have lived through, how many wars? Three. How many wars have you? I didn't remember World War One. But World War Two. World War Two and the Korean War and the Vietnam War and the War. Yeah. And the Gulf War. Yeah. So five wars. So that's wars. five. That's the five. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. Mm -hmm. And where were you? World War One. And my mom was born at, right after World War Two. She was born during World War Two. Okay. Mm -hmm. So she was born in 43, and the war was starting in 41, didn't end until 44. And did you, um, what were you doing, where were you working when World War II was going on? I was probably doing some days where, domestic work. Domestic work. Mm -hmm. And did we have anybody in our family who was in the my, my brother was. military, your brother? Mm -hmm. he, didn't go, he didn't go to fight because... <clears throat> He had a health problem, and then they discharged. When time to send him overseas, they discharged him. And I had one uh, second cousin was killed in World War Two. Oh. Mm -hmm. What do you remember about that war? I mean, what was? We had ration. Uh, we had blackouts. You know, he put all the lights out. Or oh, our black shed, our dark sheds, because they used to have uh, what you call it, a blackout. But it was like. If it, if it was war, a bomb would come through, you know, they couldn't see the house. Oh. So you wouldn't have no light. If you didn't have the, the dark shades, you had to put all your lights out. And they used to come through with a siren, something blow, you know, you could hear. But that was like, if war would come, that would. Mm -hmm. said Then there was ration, or they ration shoes. I think it was sugar, meats, gas. You could get so much. So how, was that hard to live with? with? No, if you had more, well, maybe one or two in the family, then you could rest them. But we always had a plenty because at that time, that was Mama had lost one leg. I don't know lost both of them. I know she had lost one. So she could still had the tickets for her shoes, so, but she couldn't wear the shoes. Oh, uh, so you got extra shoes because so she couldn't extra, wear them. That was extra pair of shoes. Mm -hmm. They were good by. Hmm. So we never, you know, we always had. But we didn't fare that bad during the pressure. Dad always raised a hole in the wintertime. They always had a garden. We had chickens. So we had food. You know, had food. And you and you and Papa had that here, too. I mean, you had a garden. Mm -hmm. And Mom yeah. talked about having yeah. chickens yeah. that would come in the mail. Yeah, that was up at the other house. Okay. We didn't have chickens here. We had a little garden here. We used to have a big garden up at the other place. It was a little lane. And you had a hog there, too? We had hogs up there, too. Mm-hmm. Did I tell you, but he sent the pigs to uh, pay her tuition. <laughs> he sold the pigs to pay her college tuition? Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, see, your mama put herself mostly through by her. She's with the, but she had a little scholarship, and then Clara worked. All the way through college. What do you think the most important lesson is that you taught your daughters? Well, you taught them how to be ladies. You 
teach him how to work and be honest. Is that what you learned from your parents and your mom? Yeah. My parents always, you know, work. This is, I think, the last question, unless you have any questions. What's the biggest thing that you've seen change in your lifetime? Because you've lived a long time. So what's the biggest thing you think has changed? Uh, well, I don't know. A whole lot of changes. I um, had never lived by myself until, uh, Fred, well, until Fred died. And I come through that and I made that. And so I had sickness. I took care of my mother. She passed. Took care of my dad. My dad was down nine years of stroke. Took care of him. Uh, so you took care of him? Mm-hmm. No, I wasn't sick as long, but he was living when she paid. Yeah. But my children, but I didn't know I didn't have no children in the beginning. And the doctor said I never would have any, but I did have three. Yeah, I knew you had miscarriages. Mm-hmm. Yes, three miscarriages. And then three mm-hmm. girls. Oh, mm-hmm. no. No, all, I think one of the boys. What to say? You had three girls. Oh yeah, I had three girls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the doctor told you you wouldn't have children. Mm-hmm. So how did you deal with it? Those are all changes that were hard. How did you deal with those? Well, got through it. All I can tell you. You just get through it. Mm-hmm. Got through it. Well, what's the biggest change you've seen in our world in your lifetime? Because those are more about your your life. What's the biggest changes you've seen in the world? Oh, What's one that that makes you feel good about living? What's one that yeah? What's a change that's been good that you've seen? Well, you see the neighborhoods change. I think I pretty much said that when you, the question when I said, but the, when you asked about the change in integration, but the same thing. Places, well, places where you used to. Uh, couldn't go. You, you go. couldn't go, and then a lot of places was, well, one thing to see how the county or neighborhoods has grown, uh, progress with the uh, uh, business and homes. A lot of places were just rural woods and houses built up. It just take right in this little neighborhood since I've been here there's a lot of more houses down here now mm-hmm. than it was when I had the shopping centers and I mean we used to have to travel for miles to get to stores. And now you don't. Yeah, they almost go to your back door and mm-hmm. buy whatever you need. You see, I mean, to see the progress. Well, those are all my questions. Yes, I do. I was just wondering if you had any questions. Oh, is there any? Is there anything else you want to say? Well, thanks for talking to me. I've wanted to talk to you for a long time, but haven't. So Jeff said yesterday that I could talk he said you should talk to your grandma <laughs> so thanks for taking I time say, don't put this on there I'm just tell you my daddy is always tell all these old jokes and old lady 
lived somewhere, but she lived. She had never seen a train. So, but she saw the train. The train, you know, had the train making noise. And mm-hmm. she said, oh, it bite you. Because <laughs> <laughs> the, the train noise. made the noise. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Which, you know, up in Glen Allen, where the, you know, the train used to have a train station up mm-hmm. there. Oh. And the trains used to stop and pick up passengers in Glen Allen, in Ashland. Well, they still pick up in Ashland. But they pulled the station down in uh, Glen Allen. Yeah. But it was a station, then they had the freight depot. The station was on one side of the track. And the uh, freight, big freight depot was on the other side where the freight was loaded. And then the, the, the post office was up in there. My uncle, my dad is broke. He worked for railroad too, but that's where he worked. At the station, he used to put the mail, uh, go to the post office, put the mail, bring the mail bags, and you know, the only thing you ever seen, used to pull one side of the track, mm-hmm. and he'd hang those mail bags. Did you ever seen it? I saw the cartoons. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, with I used <laughs> to see. He, that's what he used yeah. to do. Then when yeah. they bring the mail back and put the put the mail off, the the train never stopped. They hook it on them. Big pole. And he got the pole and get then he carried that to the post office. That was the wow. incoming mail. Yeah, and the outgoing. Uh-huh. That's what my car used to do. That's neat. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And then the freight, you know, he would people come pick up the big out of the bulk of stuff like the boat. He used to go over and strip that, you know, to them. And then they worked in many uh, old been out in school, uh, custodian. That was my mama's sister. He was my mama's brother. Two yeah. sisters, my two brothers. So your aunt and uncle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thanks for talking mm-hmm. to us. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Finding Refuge. If you are enjoying the podcast, I encourage you to share it with friends and family members and to rate it on iTunes. In addition to sharing about this podcast, you can support my work in the world by becoming a patron on Patreon. You can find me there as Michelle C. Johnson, Skill in Action, Yoga and Social Justice. I offer monthly movement and meditation practices, as well as a monthly divination reading. Lastly, I want to share that I have a new book coming out in April of 2023. We Heal Together, Rituals and Practices for Building Community and Connection. It is currently available for pre-order and you can go to the Penguin Random House website, search Michelle Johnson or We Heal Together and pre-order my book. There are several spaces you can pre-order it from. Thank you so much and take care.